Yo, we are back once again. This is the Wu Tang Podcast. It is I, Singar Superior. And for this episode, I have Cody Prez, who is a Staten Island based artist who recently unveiled his Wu Tang inspired installation entitled Climate Change Ain't Nothing to Mess With, which is uh, located in Artist Alley in the West Brighton section of Staten Island. How you doing, Cody? Chilling, man. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good, man. Thanks. Um, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, this was recently unveiled um, June 30th, right? Yes. Before we delve a bit more into the background of the project and just the project itself, I want to talk a bit more about you and your background, if uh, if you'll allow me. So uh, you were born and raised in Staten Island, right? Yeah, man. And what I found interesting, you know, just looking at your artwork, um, whether it be graffiti, painting, um, and even this uh, this new project, is that you're a self-taught artist. Yes, all the way. Well, man, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, just like your your detail and, and everything like that. But um, I know that you were like a part of like, well, you are, I guess you still are a part of the, the uh, graffiti scene. And you used to go by Prez One, right? Yes. Still still go by that. But, you know, I ventured off into um, a couple different ways um, in the painting community. So, uh, you know, the streets ain't really where I'm at. You were a part of the, the New Wave crew or you're still like affiliated with them? I still represent, you know, uh, DG, uh, rest in peace. Um, we lost him about four years ago, actually two days, three days out from today. Um, he, he was the head of the crew, very inspirational dude, uh, very close friend outside of the graph community and, um, you know, very, uh, inspirational man when it comes to personality. So a lot of people who had ties to him could agree on that, that, uh, he was a great friend. So I'm always going to represent that crew, um, you know, to the end. So Cool. I um, mean, you were also influenced by your uncle, right? Uh, my uncle was, you know, more of a cartoon artist. He was a big comic head. And, um, you know, growing up, watching him do his thing all the time, it was pretty inspirational and, uh, you know, pretty phenomenal to be able to watch someone just start from scratch to end and be able to replicate basically, you know, covers a spawn or... Uh, Spider-Man or anything of that nature. He was a big military head in the sense he was into all the, uh, you know, the crazy war stuff and the gore stuff. So he always had a dark side to him, which I was interested in. And, you know, being able to hang with him and uh, watch, you know, it, it pretty much um, sparked my interest heavy. Mm, that's what's up. I mean, yeah, because, you know, with your artwork, it, um, you know, I mean, you, you do, I mean, you have like more lighter stuff, but you also have like a darker, darker elements or darker um, pieces of work that you do as well. I try to keep my, my, my base um, in different manners, I guess, depending on the mood that I'm in. Um, you know, I like to have some fun stuff to uh, look at. I also like to have some, you know, expressive stuff, but uh you know, deep down inside, I have a, a very strange character, um, and I like to be dark about a lot of stuff, so I try to represent that through my artwork at times. Do you remember the uh, first time you listened to Wu-Tang? Uh, yeah, actually, I was probably like 11 years old, 12 years old. Um, that's when the Protect Your Neck single had um, actually released, and uh, that's probably the first time I got in some real trouble in my life due to that album, so I remember it very clearly. <laughs> 
So like around the time uh, when you know Wu Tang came out, because I know of, I know of course there's um, a deep graffiti culture in Staten Island from you know just me reading about it and everything like that. Um, were there like a lot of you know like Wu Tang symbols, like Wu Tang dedicated like um, graffiti, like that that were being thrown up that you noticed like uh, when they first came out, or did it take like time for that to happen? Not at all. Um, to be honest with you, that wasn't something that was heavy around here throughout the whole time period, actually. Um, through the early 90s into the mid 90s, Staten Island was destroyed with graffiti. And, you know, there was just name after name, bubble letter after bubble letter on everything you could think. And they were rocking. I mean, they were just out. No, nothing was getting buffed. Um, so, you know, it was interesting as a youth to be able to, you know, travel around and always pay attention to what was new and, you know, try to figure out who was who and how they get to where they're at and how they do what they do, which sparked that interest in that side of my um, art fanatics. Um, as far as Wu-Tang emblems, you know, you didn't really see much until um, Gano started doing stuff for the videos, uh, like the Can It Be Also Simple video. Uh, that wall is right around the corner from where I grew up, where I laid my head down at night. So I remember it was probably around 94, uh, walking through the neighborhood, and he was doing the case and the two cent pieces on the wall getting ready to prep for that video uh as far as anything else it was just little scrollings on the wall at the deli at the bodega at the corner spot the plo uh that you would you know bounce into something like that but generally speaking it wasn't um something that was bombed all over the place as you might think let's um delve a bit deeper into um into climate change and nothing to mess with you you secured like a grant right yeah, we got a, um, a public award in for that. That was a publicly funded grant from Staten Island Arts and from New York City Department of Cultural Affairs. It was definitely a very in-depth process. I couldn't have did it by myself. The language in some of these um, you know, applications are just way beyond the average artist uh, reach. So uh, luckily I had some people um, and friends who were very familiar with the process and uh, very seasoned and properly wording uh, these applications. But, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a long procedure uh, and, and choice of, of words was definitely a key element to, um, you know, becoming a recipient and an awardee of something so major because, you know, the amount of money that's given out not just going to give it to any regular knucklehead on the street, I, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, congrats, and you know, me just like dealing, you know, having, um, you know, some background dealing with grants and everything like that. I know that it's a really grueling process, and like the the amount of paperwork and like all the different kinds of you know hoops that you may have to jump through. Um, I can only imagine like the amount of work and effort and then especially, you know, just even trying to like, um, like to try, like trying to graft an application, you know, so it can meet the, like the standards of, you know, what they're looking for when it comes to the kind of recipient that they want to give this money out to. So for you, because I know that it's, um, it's located in, in, uh, in Artist Alley, right? Um, it's like on Castleton, Castleton Avenue in Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Castleton Avenue, uh, in West Brighton. So uh, it's 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 a place that, you know, we've been trying to just repetitively have artists from all over the place come and, you know, bless the walls and keep it fresh, keep the community um, building further and further. We're expanding further and further. 
you were influenced by listening to Wu Tang. That was like one of the influences when you when you began this project, right? You know, it's funny. It's really not even um, a thought in a sense of inspiration. It just kind of happened. Um, you know, usually when I'm looking for something to uh, paint or you know get my um, my mental right when it comes to trying to find some inspiration for paint, I usually lean towards you know an old school Wu Tang album and uh just sit here and zone out and try to think of ideas and you know feel the music through me and um you know generate something to do and this whole painting came about by you know the intention of doing my usual repetition of putting something on and just you know kind of zoning out with ideas but i had the um television on you know the volume was off and you know we were all across the country and, and even further paying attention to the storm system. If I recall right, I think there was two or three storms back to back. So it was quite interesting to watch. Um, and they were only growing stronger and stronger. Uh, so, you know, I had that on, on, on the television. The uh, storyline was pretty repetitive, um, but the pictures kept coming in differently. So that's kind of what I was just watching. Um, and they had put that Doppler uh, radar on the screen, you know, and um, it just kind of struck me. You know, I just was like, yo, that would be um, ill if I just flipped that into a W because basically all it was was taking, you know, 20% of the circle out and then just carving the center of the W in. So it worked out really well. And who would have thought, you know, it would grow into something so um, inspirational and and well covered as it is. So, you know, I feel blessed and I'm honored to be able to present that to the public. And also you you had, I think it was eighth graders, too, who, uh, who you kind of like um, got involved with the project, too. Yeah, we had um, reached out to a local school up the block, um, Castleton Avenue, IS-61. Uh, the eighth graders have, uh, you know, an art class that they involve themselves with and try to do projects. And we had a connection with one of the parents. And we presented it to the school and let them know that we were awarded a public grant and that we did want to involve the children. Uh, the children are definitely the future. They're the future lawmakers and the future uh, providers to, you know, what we're going to see next in, in this world. So why not get them involved? Let them, you know, stretch a little bit of their artistic ability and uh, hopefully get the juices in their brain flowing. So we had them come down to the wall and, you know, involved themselves and it, it was a really cool process to watch you know seeing the faces seeing the light in their eyes seeing the uh juices in their brains flow and we gave them a space to one help me and then two a secondary space to uh envision create and complete something on their own with the subject matter that uh worked with what i was working with so you know it was, it was a wonderful process and it was something that when i was their age wish that i had a little bit more of a chance to be involved with but things like that didn't really exist because you know it was just kind of frowned upon um to to do what what i do and and to use type of tools that i use so you know things have changed drastically and you know it's very welcomed in the public's eyes now as compared to what it was you know early 90s so you know it was a nice thing to do and it's not the first time i've worked with any type of uh, programming with children. I've done plenty of that stuff in the past, and it's always, you know, very humbling and, and gratifying to be able to uh, inspire somebody young.
That's really dope. So, um, h- how long did it take for you to um, to complete this project, and how did how did the, uh, the how did the children help you um, finish it or work on it with you? Well, the actual project itself, from from uh, thought pattern to you know grant processing to you know final execution, it was probably about a ten month process as far as you know laying it down, you know getting to the wall space and and just doing my thing. Uh, I probably rocked it out in maybe 15, 20 hours max, so 2,000 square feet in such a short time. You know, I'm known to be pretty fast at what I do when I do do it um, with passion behind it. You know, sometimes you feel forced to paint and you just don't flow right, and projects could take um, upwards of, of hours beyond your expectancy, but this project alone, you know, I had the right equipment to get me in the right location as far as height. And, you know, I just had that feel in me that, you know, I had to come correct with this. So, you know, I was amped up to, to get there and execute it. And it, it got sketched out in the evening uh, within two hours. And then the following day, I spent maybe uh, three to five hours. The following day, I spent three to five hours. And, you know, then we had some uh, news media that wanted to film. So we kind of had to hold off until that scheduling was set. And between two or three different outlets, I probably spent another you know, two to four and a half hours. So I would say between 15 to 20 hours the whole project took. How did the, uh, the children help you? On the first day after I laid the sketch down, um, we, you know, we laid, I laid the sketch. We uh, waited, I believe it was two to three days for the kids to come. We had Red come through and uh, we had Redman involved, um, myself involved and my homie Tariq involved. And we had them fill in some space that you know was reachable for their uh, height and i showed them how to blend some colors and you know how to uh provide depth through palette choice when it comes to darker to lighter um tones and uh you know give them a little education on the project itself but on you know surprisingly the kids were very well informed uh so at that point we had a little um space on the side of the wall and we told them, you know, here's some paint. So we brought out some bucket paint for them, some paint brushes and, you know, some chalk so they could get their sketch down. And these kids knocked it out the park and it was done within one school day. So everything was wrapped up between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. There's this uh, docu- documentary called Wu-Tang Saga or whatever it's called. And um, I feel I feel like it like really revolves around Cappadonna. But anyway, he was um, in uh, one of like the early apartment buildings or whatever like that where they filmed uh, uh, early Wu-Tang videos. And he pointed to like a sign uh, where they said, you know, you get fined for like writing on the wall or whatever like that. And uh, something pro he said something profound Cappadonna in reaction to that. He said, you know, why won't you instead of like, you know, trying to find the person who did it or like the kid who probably did it, you know, assuming that it would probably be a kid or someone young. He said, you know, why don't you like put them in an art class or like, you know, put them in like the YMCA so they could have a, an outlet to express themselves and everything like that. So. Um, and, you know, I guess it, it was recorded. I mean, that documentary was done like years ago. But, you know, it's good to see that, um, you know, this this form of like artwork is like really being accepted, um, you know, within, you know, by, you know, certain within certain communities and, you know, governments are um, are, you know, getting involved in funding it because, you know, like the humanities, you know, for the past 10 years, if not longer, has, has been getting like frowned upon. So the history, the arts, philosophy, all these things, right, that that talk about human expression, that deal with human emotions or anything like that, it has been frowned upon and, you know, 
um, in relations to the sciences, you know, more or less kind of like hard data, you know, driven kind of stuff? Yeah, well, um, the idea, behave, be, you know, behind that is you take the art and the music away, you take free expression away. And when you take free expression away, you can mold people into anything you want because they can't be free thinkers on their own. So, you know, it's all a science behind why these things don't exist. Um, and when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, generation through generation is becoming more and more uh, profoundly ignorant to being able to make wise decisions and express themselves. I mean, look at music from the 90s to now. And, you know, I don't know if I feel like I'm my parents at the point where they used to tell me what the hell am I listening to. But I can't I can't grasp what's going on in, in the music industry today. And it's kind of a joke because half of it doesn't, you know, even flow lyrically. You know, the beats just it's just a wild world out there. And I think because, you know, uh, free thought doesn't really exist anymore. You know, it's just kind of people um, trying to duplicate or be down with something that they don't really have any um, foundation in. Now, as far as, you know, programming and things like that, I've worked with many um, different agencies, not-for-profit organizations that we would take children, um, or I wouldn't even say children, young adults who, you know, got caught out there and uh, were arrested and charged for criminal activity and brought them into these programs and, and, and taught them how to take that energy and promote positive values. So um, I've been in the schools teaching after school stuff in, in, in art formats. I've been in private sectors doing stuff with children. And then I've also been working with um, not-for-profit agencies that get granted to do certain programs like that. And, you know, I was able to watch some of these students grow into young adults and progressively become better artists and, you know, better free thinkers and, and come up with in you know, whatever they may vision uh, and be able to express it properly versus, you know, some of the children just, you know, uh, grew into lost causes, you know, and that's what happens. Some of us get lost out there in the world and, and don't realize the differences because we don't have guidance. So it's nice to know that, you know, uh, there are these programs out there and there are places, just the problem is they don't exist uh, as as um, liquid as we would like them to be. So, you know, to continue being able to do projects like this, I think it brings, you know, more light into a government aspect where, you know, they may be prone to dedicate more money towards that um, type of scenario. So uh, it, it seems to be working pretty well, but, you know, um, it could always be better. So, you know, that's the long term thought. Let's just continue on to try to, you know, build that. So you've had Redman involved and you've had other people who have come to like visit. So like, uh, I think Trife to God and, Ma and Mathematics um, came to uh, to visit the mural and, and took pictures um, by it and everything like that. So for you, um, how was it um, having Mathematics come and, you know, kind of give it a blessing, especially, you know, him being like the creator of the Wu-Tang symbol? I mean, there was nothing more profound than that. Um, you know, being a, a DJ producer for one of the, you know, the hottest clans out there and being the originator of the logo that seems to be more recognizable than McDonald's uh, is, is quite tremendous. And for him to come through and show love and want to be a part of such a project, you know, is is a great feeling because, um, you know, when you look up to a certain um individual or group of individuals for what they bring value to the table as and then they could recognize you as somebody that's along the same line as them just in a different manner 
I mean, it's humbling. Um, you know, Trife is an old friend of mine. We go back maybe 20 years. I mean, we know each other since we're young. Um, Red, I've done plenty of work with him in the past. Um, my man, Tariq, that's like his right-hand man. They're really tight friends. So once he um, was asked, he was totally down to come through. He loved the piece. Um, but, but the real idea was uh, getting math on board because we didn't want to take something that wasn't ours and shove it down you know, the throats of the world without having the blessing from the man himself. It's like if someone took my artwork and duplicated it and tried to call it theirs, it's just not the way it works. So when he was down and on board and wanted to come through, show love, hang, do interviews with us and all of that, I mean, it was tremendous. So, you know, it was probably one of the greatest experiences I've had. And, you know, I come from a, a, a line of knowing a lot of people in the music industry and knowing a lot of big names and faces in the art industry to where, you know, everybody's just a person to me. Um, there's really no um, fan fanatics in, in my world, but, you know, we were a little bit uh, struck when, when Matt came through and showed some love. And, and he was a very humble dude, which was, you know, really cool because, you know, you come across people sometimes who, may have chips on their shoulders for what they have brought to the table. And I could tell you one thing about him. He was the least or the last one uh, that I thought would be like that. So, you know, it was inspiring and it was it was a very good feeling to know, you know, he, he dug what we were doing. So it was definitely peace. Um, so for you as an artist, and I know, of course, you know, like the, the symbol has this, you know, entire legacy behind it, but like trying to like strip that away from and just like looking at the symbol just as like a form of art. Um, is there something that 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 you notice, like as an artist yourself, like the aesthetic of the Wu Tang symbol and why it does have a kind of a lore to it outside of the fact that it's you know attached to Wu Tang? It is. It's like the sentence in the songs, man. It's just razor sharp. It is uh, unique, and it's so simple. And you know, um, me as an artist, I tend to have a symmetrical eye towards everything, um, a balance towards everything. Everything has to be balanced. Um, so when I look at that symbol or when I look at anything out in the world, you know, I, I pay attention to, you know, its levelness or its ability to uh, be a simple foundation versus what it really may look like or be. Um, so, you know, uh, it's almost like Rain Man being able to... Uh, to do math in his head without even a thought. Like I could see all shapes and sizes for what they are uh, outside of the box and be able to interpret something quickly. So when I seen that radar, when I thought of that W just listening to the clan, you know, for me, it was, it was simple. It was one, two, three. I didn't really have to do much thought process to it other than just draw it up. When I originally painted that canvas, it was an 18 by 24 uh, double ply canvas. So, from start to scratch, I probably knocked out the whole canvas in like two hours. It was just like boom, bam, and done. Um, you know, when I think of what other people may be able to interpret of why that W is so powerful, I think because the music behind it has so much inspiration. And, you know, the clan just brought a totally different type of music to the game. Um, and being from Staten Island, you know, you always want to represent you know, your hood as much as you can. And we were always the forgotten borough. So for someone to, or a group of dudes to be able to shed so much light so powerfully and bring, you know, the thought and the process and the envision to such a place like Staten Island, which has always been, you know, the outcast 
you know, I think that W just represents a lot of people's feelings behind it. And being that it's so simple uh, and so easily remembered, that's why it's such an iconic emblem. With this project, uh, is, is it going? Is it going to be there like permanently, or cause, you know, I, I I never really understand like how murals work. I know like there are some that you know they're there forever as long as they can last, and then some they kind of like disappear after a while. Dis- disappear after a while. So uh, it, will it be there for permanently or for short term? There is nothing in life that's permanent, um, including rest in peace murals. Um, they always do fade away or tend to disappear at some point. Uh, this mural itself will not be there forever. It'll be on canvas forever. As far as you know, that wall space goes, we have a year of that wall. So that will be on display for a full year until next summer, 2019. And then from that point, whatever the decision on the next project is, it is. You know, Am I gonna be able to bless that spot again? Who knows? We're not really thinking about that. We're still trying to get through you know, the immense um, coverage and excitement that we're dealing with based off of this project. Uh, as far as time frame goes, I do know it does have an expiration date on it. Uh, but that's not nothing uh, new to me. I mean, there's been a million things I've painted over the years that has tend to disappear or other writers paint over because, you know, you're in spots that, you know, you run out of space or say you do have, you know, uh, street spots, you know, you get new owners of the building who come over and paint over it, or uh, you do go over your own work with newer stuff. So uh, when I say nothing lasts forever, I mean, you're lucky sometimes in New York, at least, if things last a couple of years within themselves. So, um, Well, Prez, um, well, thank you so much for coming on, man, uh, uh, and everything that, you know, that you're doing, you know, uh, inspiring uh, the youth and everything like that, getting the community involved and, you know, different art projects. And, um, you know, like my mother, like, you know, she has a background in art. So, you know, I kind of I always have appreciation for people who really try to spread it, and especially, you know, with the, the way that, you know, the way that the humanities are right now. But, you know, it always like comes back around everything like that. And so like to see what you're doing and the amount of the coverage that you have been getting on and everything like that. Um, you know, thank you for what you for everything that you do. Yeah, no doubt, man. It, it comes kind of unnatural in a sense. You know, the older I get and the more knowledgeable I become and the more um, accepting I've become with um, who I am as an individual versus what the outside world, you know, wants to see or, well, I may think, I, you know, they want to see. It's really not nothing to me. So, you know, I just kind of follow my own trend and, and, and try to be on this, uh, you know, rifle mentality that, you know, a storyline so simple is easily forgotten. And, you know, like I had said to one journalist, I said, you know, uh, the planet is, is is our lifeline, you know? It's like our, our moms, it's like our dad. So, you know, I don't think any of us will willingly just, you know, let our parents die off by poisoning them and not taking care of them. So, you know, the idea behind this project is to hopefully, you know, make some people aware that, you know, it's, it's important to pay attention to, you know, what we do and what we um, take for granted and, and how we all could simply forget, you know, um, how beautiful the blue sky and the green trees may be. And if we continue to poison it, you know, it might not be there one day. So don't take nothing for granted. You know, open your eyes, appreciate things for what you have and what they are, and uh, stop looking for the next best thing and when it's right in front of your face. So, you know, that's the envision behind this project in the long run. And I hope I can get that message out to people. And I appreciate you for um, giving me the ability to reach, you know, people I might not have reached uh, just through, you know, local New York City uh, media. Oh, man, no doubt. Um, And finally, uh, where can people find you and find your work? 
You can find me on Instagram. That's where I thoroughly post most of my freshest, newest works. Uh, my my handle is Prezarecta, P-R-E-Z-A-R-E-C-T-A, Prezarecta. Um, you can also find me at my website, which is www.artworkbycodyprez.com. Cool. And um, also uh, check out the uh, Richmond Hood uh, website, richmondhood.com, for the prints and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, um, Tariq's been doing this thing for a long time, and I definitely got to show nothing but love to him because, you know, uh, without him being the drive behind this, you know, I tend to just be like a low-key you know, not wanting to be uh, in, in the spotlight type of artist. And he's really pushed this process on me. And um, I'm pleased that he has. It's been a, a, a wonderful opportunity. It's been a great ride. Uh, but I don't think I would have even took it to this point other than, you know, the many of likes it's received and shares it's received on the Internet uh, without him. So richmondhoodcompany.com. Make sure you go there for, you know, some fresh kicks. He's definitely got a nice line of gear, uh, even outside of the Wu-Tang line. A lot of the stuff that is brought up from the Wu-Tang line is OG original throwbacks um, due to the fact with the connections, you know, to the clan itself and um, having some dead stock items that do pop up there from time to time. But other than that, he's always got some dope stuff on there, you know, jewelry for the ladies um, and a lot of fresh gear. So, uh cool projects going on, all types of good stuff. You know, he, he's definitely um, a man of his word and definitely a dude who makes sure uh, he keeps the culture alive. Well, with that said, this has been another edition of the Wu-Tang Podcast. You can check us out at Wu-Tang Podcast on Twitter, Wu-Tang Podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and we will be there wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. So with all that, we out. Peace.